This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. The baby boomer generation, the largest in the history of the U.S., is now reaching an interesting point in their lives. For the first time, boomers are at the age where they must start to take disbursements from their retirement plans. The law, of course, says that at age 70 and a half, you have to start taking money out of these. But it also means that there will be billions and billions of dollars heading into the U.S. economy in the years to come. To take a look at some of the things maybe you should think about and as well the impact of this on the economy, we welcome back our friend Olivia Mitchell, Executive Director of the Pension Research Council and also Director of the Center on Pensions and Retirement Research here at the Wharton School. Great to see you. Happy New Year. Pleasure to be here. Same to you. The the, the articles, I mean, I, I, we knew how big the baby boomer generation is, but it is still interesting to kind of get a grasp on how much investment that generation has made and how much money will be put into the economy in various elements over the next couple of decades. Well, it's absolutely true that boomers have done a good job socking away money in their tax-qualified retirement accounts. And that would include IRAs, individual retirement accounts. It would also include 401ks, 403bs, the whole alphabet soup of pension uh, lingo out there. Some baby boomers, of course, still have defined benefit plans. But the big challenge that folks are talking about now is that of this $10 trillion in deferred, tax-deferred saving accounts, folks are now going to have to start taking out their required minimum distributions. Which, which is how much that they have to take out per year. So the Internal Revenue Service has been willing to let you save tax-deferred, have your investment earnings tax-deferred, but they'd be very happy to get some of their tax at the payout stage. And so the rules are specified related to your age. So for example, beginning at age 70 and a half, you must take out about 3.7% of your IRA, total amount in your IRAs. And if you're retired, the same amount out of your 401k plans. By the time you're 80, the percent goes up to about five and a half. And at age 100, you have to take out 15.9%. The logic is the government wants its tax bite on those payouts. But the impact that this is going to have on the economy in general uh, is something that I, I think comes at an interesting time because we're seeing so much conversation about what the economy is going to be right now. Uh, but for people that are, are starting to think about this, for the most part, they've been probably processing this over the last few years anyway, even if they're falling into that group of being 70 years of, uh, years of age and still working because they are still trying to build back up from the recession. Well, so I think that there's two parts to the story. One is the financial institutions that are worried about money leaving their uh, control. And the other is workers and retirees. And I think many retirees may well be surprised to learn that they have to start drawing down their accounts. 
Um, and there are ways to manage it better or worse, which we can get into. Yeah. As long as you're working, you don't need to take the required minimum distribution from the plan that covers you on your current job. Right. However, if you have a previous job and you don't roll that money over to your current employer, then you will have to start taking those uh, minimum distributions. It's surprising that that some people don't – you just mentioned it, that, that they don't necessarily know that when you reach 70 and a half that you actually have to do this. Why is that? you think? I mean, that's been somewhat of a, a pretty well well publicized kind of marker over the last decade or two. It is publicized and um, financial services companies are required to tell you when you hit that 70 and a half uh, threshold that you must start taking out money at this certain percentage rate. Um, but a lot of people don't read their mail, quite frankly. Right. And uh, they also may not have financial advisors. Right now, there are a number of good retirement calculators, RMD, required minimum distribution calculators online. Right. So I think that would be a good way to go for people that are finding this as new information. Your comments, if you'd like to join in and ask a question of our friend Olivia Mitchell, uh, who knows uh, a lot of stuff about pensions and retirements, uh, you're welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to your phone... You're more than welcome to just shoot me a note via Twitter, and I'll bring it up on the show, at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21, or you can use my Twitter account, or you should say the show's Twitter account, at BizRadio111. What are really the, the, the things that people need to think about when they're managing these accounts when they get to 70 and a half? One of the things, actually, I wanted to bring up with you anyway, I'll do it right now, is the idea of taking disbursements over the course of the year or taking more of a one lump sum per year because of the tax issues. Well, so if you take it in 12-month parcels instead of one lump sum at the end of the year, that's not going to affect your taxes. You're right. still going to have to pay income tax at the end of the year. If you take it too young, however, then you also have to pay a 10% penalty. Right. So if you can avoid doing that, wait until you're 70 and a half to start drawing down your retirement accounts. Um, as long as you're not working. If you um, have several IRAs, individual retirement accounts, the law says that you can um, amalgamate the total and take your required minimum distribution out of just one of them. So you don't have to dip into each individually to get to the total. However, if you have several 401k plans from previous employers, you yeah. have to take it out each one separately. So it's a little complicated, and this is, I think, going to be a big test for people who may potentially have cognitive aging issues yeah. and who are not financially literate. Is it common for people to not roll over the 401k from job to job if they make that move? I, I know, having done it twice now, I've rolled it over both times, and, and it just... You know, that way it, it, it just kind of works its way uh, along the system. I think it's an absolutely great idea to consolidate your accounts. Um, I'm one of those who never did it when I taught at a previous institution. I right. knew the money was being invested safely. I didn't have any concerns. Right. But it took me about a year to roll it over. So sometimes it's tricky and you have to keep at it. However, having rolled it over into my current employer's 401k account, I don't have to take minimum distributions until I retire, which may well be never. We'll right. see. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Or if you can't get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. What are some of the other things that people really need to consider now, especially if they're hitting 70 and a half? Well, it's certainly worth remembering that 
this required minimum distribution is the minimum, not the maximum. That right. is, you can roll over your entire account. You can cash out your entire account. Of course, you'll pay income tax on it yeah. uh, if you're over the age of 70 and a half. But if it's just a small 401k plan, it may well behoove you to do that and put it into the bank or brokerage account or whatever it is that, that you would be doing with it anyway. And this gets back to the point that a lot of the financial institutions are now thinking that it might behoove the retiree as well as them to let you keep your money in the 401k plan that you've mm. been investing all the way along. Right. Because typically those would be lower cost, more professionally managed, and they can help you by paying out the required minimum without you having to do the arithmetic every year in tax time. So just basically taking out the minimum every year and and just kind of keeping the remainder of the 401k in there and, and earning the, the value that it would be picking up from the account. Absolutely. Another thing you can do is that you can... Um, as of a couple of years ago, purchase a payout annuity with up to $250,000 in your 401k account. And then that amount, it will start paying you when you tell it to, when you tell the annuity provider to do so. Mm -hmm. But that is withheld from the required minimum distribution amount. In other words, it reduces the amount you have to take as right. a required minimum distribution. And that may behoove people that want to protect their assets over the longer term and don't want to pay so much tax on it right away. So the benefits of doing an annuity going that way would be would be would be how, what's the what is the, what's the the best reason for saying to people you think about doing going the annuity route. So there's two reasons. One is that an annuity is an excellent product to help you avoid running out of money in old age. Yeah. And the second reason is that that portion that you've used to buy the annuity is exempt from the re required minimum distribution, so it can lower your tax as well. Right. Uh, Olivia Mitchell joining us here from uh, the Wharton School. Your comments, again, are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. I saw uh, interesting in one article that talked about uh, people that uh, are starting to pull from their 401ks that they, as you alluded to before, are reinvesting them. Uh, and seemingly, you know, they don't have the need for all of that money, but they want to put it in something that uh, that potentially could still be able to earn them uh, value as they go forward. Right. It's interesting because it's been observed that many older people take the required minimum distribution percentages in some sense as financial guidance or advice. Right. And so they imagine that this must be the right way to spend down their accounts. And that's not necessarily true because you could run out under those circumstances. Yeah. So if you can afford to, maybe one option is to put it in a brokerage account or save it in a bank. Um, there are also strategies that are worth mentioning in terms of how you invest the brokerage account versus what's in your IRA or 401k. For example, you might want to put bonds in the IRA so right. they'll pay off a little bit less, thereby lowering your tax, your tax burden yeah. when you take out the RMD and put more of your stock, say, in your brokerage account. Uh, the the bond uh, move, I think, is, is an interesting one to discuss for a second because uh, uh, of what we've seen with bonds, especially over the last uh, last year or so, and the move of bonds, you know, basically up. The 10-year has really been jumping. Uh, the last few months right now? Well, that's in part um, a, a reflection of the increases in, expect, in uh, inflation yeah. that are expected down the road. And so for retirees, my usual thought is start thinking about inflation-protected bonds because you may well need them if inflation starts ramping up again. Uh, 
we've talked with you before about the potential issues involving Social Security uh, down the road. And, and obviously the, the, the word insolvency still is kind of played in there. With still a lot of questions with Social Security out there, does that affect how people need to think about their retirement money, especially when they get to that point? And especially maybe not now, but maybe in 10 years when we get closer to that projected 2034 date, which a lot of people have talked about. Well, it's certainly the case that um, Social Security is facing insolvency. Not They're not going to pay zero benefits, yeah. but there may well be a 25% cut or 30% cut in benefits down the road. But another factor to point out vis-a-vis this required minimum distribution discussion is that if you um, take larger distributions from your retirement accounts, then that subjects more of your Social Security benefit to income tax. Right. So what one strategy might be to uh, delay taking Social Security draw down more from your retirement accounts right. so that you're in a lower tax bracket and pay less. And then when you finally hit age 70 or beyond, then take the Social Security benefit. So it, it, it's a complicated little uh, ball of wax that we have here. <laughs> and I think it really pays to start for folks that have some money in their 401k and IRAs to start talking to an advisor. Well, and I was going to say, because for a lot of people, this is still – you know, it's it's something that it's very hard for a lot of people to kind of understand all the nuances that are involved in this process. So having that 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 trusted voice that you can that you can talk to to get a better understanding on it is is almost a necessity at this point, is it not? It's absolutely true. I mean, we can get into a different discussion on a different day about how to find that trusted yeah, advisor. Right, yeah. But uh, one of my colleagues, Kent Smetters, talks about that. Uh, Wax is eloquent on it. But it's absolutely true that either. School School yourself, get online, do the retirement calculators, the required minimum distribution calculators, or find someone you trust, or maybe do both to check the advisor from time <laughs> to time. Uh, so with that 3.7% amount a- as the minimum amount, uh, still, a lot of people really have to kind of get a feel for, is that 3.7% number the right number for them? Or maybe it needs to be a little bit higher than that, correct? Well, so that will depend a lot on how much you have. I, I had a um, calculation of what the typical 401k levels are for people close to retirement, say right. around uh, 65 years old, 66 years old. And the median 401k balance is only about $44,000. Wow. So if you took 3.7% of that, it'd be about $1,600 a year. Yeah. Um, However, if you look at the 90th percentile, those folks have about $370,000. Right. And so they're going to be pulling down thirteen, fourteen thousand 14000 a year. Right. Now, again, that's probably not enough for anybody to live no, on no. solely, but it can definitely influence your standard of living. And it suggests that some folks are going to have to draw down more than their required minimum. Yeah. And otherwise, others might just tend to keep saving it and store it away for their future. For the people that are in that that range of only having 44,000, that's that's a tough spot to be in the, in the beginning in, to start with. And the fact that you just mentioned that it's the median, that's 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 a little bit scary of of what some people could be facing here in the next next several years. Well, it's absolutely the case that um, the typical American is relying very heavily on social security for yeah. retirement sustenance. And of course, Medicare. 
And so this may make a little bit of a difference at the margin, but what could make a much bigger difference to their retirement well-being would be delaying claiming Social Security to age 70. Yeah. Then your benefits could well be 75% bigger than if you claimed them at 62 years old. Yeah, that, and we're talking with Olivia Mitchell. Your comments are welcome again at 844-WHARTON. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. What are some of the other things that people need to need to really consider now, especially when they're getting to that 70 and a half age? Well, what I would say is that um, it would help if people tried to do everything possible to continue working. Yeah. Because the longer you de delay retirement, it benefits you on a number of fronts. Obviously, your Social Security benefits are higher when you get there. You're not drawing down your nest egg. Yeah. And there's a lot of research that suggests that people that can continue to work and do so are much healthier. That's not true of everyone, of right. course. We know that there's disability problems among the older population, but remaining engaged and employed and involved in the workplace and in a social circle can really help along many fronts, not just physical health, but mental health as well. And what we're seeing also, and actually we talked with a couple of executives last week about this, is that they find that uh, getting away from the financial part of it for a second, they find that their knowledge, their history in, in the workplace ends up being an incredible benefit to these people. So there, there's the financial benefits to it. But as you said, there's the health and, and just the, the mindset benefits of continuing to work, whether it be 70, 72, 74 years of age as well. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that we're facing in the U.S. as well as much of the developed world, and in fact, the developing world as well, is that the long-term decline in fertility has meant that there's simply not a lot of younger workers coming yeah. into the labor force with the training and the skills that are needed. So employers are starting to pay attention to the fact that they need to keep older workers on. So I believe there will be a demand for older workers. As long as the older workers invest in their skills, yeah. learn the new technology, and make an effort to stay up with things. There was some conversation a while back, and we may have discussed this with you, if not, get your opinion on it, of whether or not we are going to see the quote-unquote retirement age here in the United States bumped up. And part of that being because of, of what we have seen in trends of people working longer and partly because of some people were still recovering financially from the recession. Do you think that's something that we may see here in the next in the next decade or so? I suspect that we're going to see it along a couple fronts. First of all, to re restore Social Security solvency, we're going to have to raise a retirement age, and there's yeah. no question about that. I think at the same time, people want to continue working. If you look at the surveys of baby boomers, many of them actually don't want to sit in the rocking chair sure. on the front porch yeah. and or play golf full time. Move to Florida and have the retirement community. Exactly. Yeah. So many many baby boomers are talking about unretirement jobs. Sometimes they're volunteer. Some they're sometimes they're paid. Sometimes they're part time jobs. Yeah. Um, mentoring jobs and so forth. So I think that we really are at a crossroads where we're having to remake the definition of retirement. Is there a target number you think that that, that is more likely than not that if that retirement age gets moved higher, that you know we may see it move to whatever that number may be? Well, every country in the world that has tried to raise a retirement age precipitously has faced some problems politically. In the U.S., we raised a retirement age back in 1983, but it was yeah. done gradually so that people had some advance warning and advance yeah. notice of that. 
But if we step back and recall that when uh, Roosevelt put in the Social Security system, age 65 was the retirement age. That was also the life expectancy. So half of the people never even made it. So if we did that, we'd probably have to have a retirement age of at least 85 or 86. (laughs) That's true. That's right. So there we are. Wow, that would be amazing. we're talking with Olivia Mitchell here from the Wharton School. Again, your comments at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You mentioned something I want to bring up as well, is that this is also going to be a unique challenge for the money managers because of all this money that's going to be coming out over the next few years and having to try and replace it with money for millennials who are of a little bit of a different mindset. So that's going to be an interesting kind of dynamic for for the uh, for the investment community as well. Well, it absolutely is. And the good news is millennials do seem to be saving. Um, In fact, all of us should probably be saving a lot more given the low interest environment that economists, many economists believe we're facing for the next 20 or 30 years. I told my daughters that they ought to be saving 25 percent of their salary just for retirement. And uh, that did precipitate a bit of a discussion. (laughs) They ended up at 18. So I was pretty happy with that. Um, But so I think the the general perspective is that we're going to be dealing with a younger generation. They're much more um, computer friendly. This is why a lot of the money managers are putting in robo advisors and Um, replacing some of the call centers with interaction online. Sure. So the, the industry is having to retool, if you will. Great having you here. Thanks very much for coming in. Thank you so much. You My got pleasure. It. Olivia Mitchell, uh, who is executive director of the Pension Research Council and also a director of the Center on Pensions and Retirement here at the Wharton School. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.